Chapter 1 When I get off the plane in Sharm el-Sheikh, I feel like I've been sitting for hours in a trash compactor. The man beside me smelled strongly of garlic and fried food. My mother says that flying used to be romantic. Not anymore. When I catch my reflection in an airport window, I see that over 19 hours of air travel isn't exactly a beauty treatment. Not that I care too much about that. I am a scientist, an ornithologist, a bird nerd. I am here for the adventure of a lifetime, and I can turn this exhaustion into exhilaration. All it takes is a little resolve. I remove my itinerary from the lower side pocket of my safari vest. I have two more copies of the schedule in my luggage. I printed out three just in case something happened to one, or two of them. The sheet of paper clearly indicates that a driver is supposed to be here to pick me up. I go off to find my Patagonia at the luggage carousel. It's a new bag my mother gave me for this trip, a lime green water-resistant rolling duffel. My mother wanted to buy me a Tumi, but I lobbied for the Patagonia. What self-respecting outdoors woman would pick a Tumi over a Patagonia? My mother calls it my Patagucci, because it's expensive for what it is. She knows about these things. She's been in retail since my father died when I was four. I'm thrown by my missing driver. There's no sign saying Sophie Castle anywhere to be found. Here I am in Egypt, my first time out of the United States. I could call Corey West, my producer at the Discovery Channel, or better yet, my friend Haley, named for the comet, who works with him and was the force behind getting me this gig. But no. I'm a big girl. I can figure out how to get from the airport to the hotel without calling Los Angeles. The driver should have been here to pick up two of us, me and my cameraman, Rig Greensman. He came to the Discovery Channel from When Sharks Attack, which aired on Nat Geo Wild, and he is supposed to be one of the best cameramen in the field. Haley says I was lucky to get him. I'm sure she's right, but it's a little hard to believe when he's not here. I googled him before I left the United States and printed out all the information I could find, including his picture. When I showed it to my mother, she said, He's too handsome for his own good. I don't understand that expression, since he probably benefits from those looks, while any girl in his general vicinity is likely to be struck down by them anyone but me. I don't pick up the shiny pebbles on the beach. I take the ones that are weirdly colored or oddly shaped. In a choice between Shrek and Prince Charming, I'd choose Shrek. Rig with his sun-kissed curls and cleft chin looks too much like a drawing of a prince. Finally, I go outside and grab a taxi. The cabbie doesn't speak much English, and all I know how to say in Arabic is assalamu alaikum. This driver could take me anywhere. I'm at his mercy. I take my compass out of the left upper pocket of my safari vest. At least we are going in the right direction, south. If we were going north, we'd be heading toward Israel. Because I don't know how long the journey is supposed to be, I can't relax. The time ticks by, and we get farther and farther from the bright lights of Sharm el-Sheikh. The only thing that comforts me is that I am hardly the type of woman who gets kidnapped into white slavery. I cut my long hair infrequently, and when I do, I cut it with nail scissors. 
I don't have a unibrow, but 15 minutes with a pair of tweezers would not go amiss. My teeth are straight, thanks to my mother, who has made every sacrifice to make sure I've had the best of everything, including braces. My breasts aren't much to speak of, not that anyone's been speaking much of them lately. My eyes are greenish-brown. When you take all the features separately, each is attractive enough, but with the way I manage them, or fail to manage them, they don't cause men to trail after me like lovesick puppies. Not that I'd want them to. After almost an hour, dusk has turned to darkness, and we pull into the gravel parking lot of the pigeon house. The stucco exterior makes the building look like a sand dune, and I feel a little like Lawrence of Arabia. I pay the driver in Egyptian pounds, glad that I had the foresight to get them, and walk inside, dragging my bag behind me.